We didn't ask for our church to grow. We didn't ask him to heal our bodies. We didn't ask him to sell property, to cause us to increase and to prosper financially. But we said, God, your face is what we desire. This revival is being known all over the world for miracles, but not one time did we ask for a miracle. When you make a move of God about miracles, it all becomes what He can give to you and what you can receive. And when you don't get it, you disappoint. Johnny eloquently this morning preached a masterpiece. Thank you so much for being here. I know this, once you catch his face, not see his face, but catch it, you get the Father's heart, you get his hand, you get his blessings, you get his giftings. So tonight is not about miracles. Even though you're going to get a miracle, I really believe that folks are going to be healed tonight. But it's not about that for me tonight. It's about his face. the heart of the North Georgia Revival. And tonight it will be so. We will seek His face and return. His glory will enter this room and He will press into us. Isn't the Lord good? All right. Praise His name. Praise God. I want to give you just a couple of announcements that are important to the North Georgia Revival. Every youth pastor, if you're a youth pastor, would you stand up in the room? I don't know if we have many in the room. I know we've got a lot of lead pastors. Look at all of our youth pastors. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just remain standing. If you are a lead pastor in this house, you and your spouse, would you stand? If you're a lead pastor, remain standing with our youth pastors. Thank God for you. Yeah. Just remain standing. I want to I want to make sure that all of you know that July 5th, 6th, and 7th, right here at the North Georgia Revival, we're hosting our first youth conference. And it will be a revival conference for young people. And we want to send our kids back to our schools on fire with Jesus. Come on now. 5th, 6th, and 7th of July. I want you to put that on your calendar. Register. You can go to our website, cfchurch.tv, and you can register there. Make sure they're here, February 5th, 6th, and 7th. It's going to be revival, all about revival, all about chasing the face of God. So put that on your calendar. Then August the 17th, 18th, and 19th is our second annual uh, Pastors and Leaders Conference. You need to register for that. We're limiting it to uh, right at 1,000 pastors, which we feel will fill up within the first couple of weeks. You need to make sure that you register for that. That's pastors and your staff. 18th, 19th, and 20th of August, all right? And follow us on Facebook, and you'll make sure that you can get all that information. But register as soon as you can. You may be seated. Two books I want to recommend to you. They're right at the table. I wrote the book, He Sat Down, three years ago. We released it on Easter uh, three years ago, I believe it was. I 
believe this work right here was paramount in preparing our church for revival. Even though I didn't write it to prepare us for revival, I just wrote it to get us busy doing the work of God. It is entitled, He Sat Down. Jesus at this very moment is still seated in heaven. He's not getting up to come back to the earth to do any ministry in His flesh and bone body. He's not going to witness to your neighbor. He's not going to lay hands on the sick. He's not going to cast out any more devils. He says in John 17, I have finished the work that you have given me. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 18 and 19 says, He has committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. He has entrusted us with the gospel, the work of God. And now what He does on the earth, He now does through His church, His body, you and I. And if you, I, you and I are not busy, guess what? The work of God doesn't get done. This prepared our church for being able to host the presence of the Lord. You will see nearly 200 people that are working tonight to host His presence and to host you and to serve you. Not only from Christ Fellowship Church, from the churches in this area, there are five to six churches that have bought in such unity and peace. And I'm going to ask those pastors if they would come and stand behind me on this platform, if you would. The pastors that are preaching this revival, that are hosting the work of God, if you guys would come. Just remain standing. All of these men, all of these men preach the revival. They're all within probably 10 minutes of each other than Pastor David, probably about 35 minutes of our church. And there are a few other pastors that preach that are local that are not here tonight and on our leadership team. The chairs you're sitting in, some of them have donated them tonight. Probably every one of them have brought 50 to 60 to 70 of their members to assist and serve tonight. It's hard to tell their members from my members. There's such unity in the body. My sheep are their sheep. Their sheep are my sheep. It takes a village to host a revival. We couldn't do it without them. Some of the greatest men of God I've ever known are standing behind me. There are a few others, Pastor Ken Griffiths, and who else are we missing? Pastor Hunter Howard, Pastor Billy Humphreys, and others. All right. Don't you love these men? You may be seated. Thank you so much. The second book is called He Sent Him. Just released this this past week. Um, how many of you are Baptists or ex-Baptists at one point in your life? Raise your hand. Stand to your feet. I just, if you, I want you to, because I've got to see this. My Lord Jesus, there are more Baptists than people, I'm telling you. How many, just remain standing, how many of you get questioned because you have now entered into a deeper life? Raise your hand. You're, okay. All right. How many of you think you lost, they've lost your mind? I mean, your friends, your neighbors think you're a part of an occult. Well, you're looking at an ex-Southern Baptist pastor, and I say ex like that's bad. It's not bad. I'm a Southern Baptist pastor that got baptized with the Holy Ghost. I wrote the book, He Sent Him, for our friends and neighbors and also to help you. 
I wrote this to help people enter into the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Get this book. It's out there, and we only have limited uh, copies of both of those, so we'll get there as soon as you possibly can. Let's receive our offering tonight. All right? Ushers, will you come forward? Come on, put your hands together. Good evening, and welcome to the North Georgia Revival, whether you're tuning in from the ISN Network or Facebook Live. We are so glad that you're here. You can't tell, but we are a packed house. We are into two overflow rooms and preparing to fill another room. We have three baptism pools on campus for the amount of people that are here. We are excited for a dynamic word from Pastor Johnny Taylor and the Flowing Oil Bible. But before we get you back to the service, we do want to receive an offering for the North Georgia Revival. Will you partner with us? Will you sow into what God is doing? It takes right around $3,000 to run a service for a Sunday night. So will you sow into what God's doing? We have two simple and easy ways for you to do that. The first way, you can text to give. That number is going to show up just below me. It's going to be a two to three minute registration process. After that, you'll be able to text the amount that you want to give, safe and secure. The second way, you can mail a check written out to North Georgia Revival, mailed to 139 Hightower Parkway, Dawsonville, Georgia, 30534. Thank you for partnering with us. Thank you for sowing in to what God is doing here at the Revival. We're expecting a dynamic word, as I said earlier tonight, and we are ready for what God is going to do. He's already visited us during worship, and we're excited to see the miracles that he is going to perform tonight for his people. Amen. We're not, we're not going to forget about you. If you have a prayer request, if you have a praise report, if God's already touched you during worship, will you please let us know? We want to take that to our intercessory team. We want to share and build each other's faith in what God is doing. Thank you for choosing to serve and sow into the North Georgia Revival. Let's get you back to the service. Number on the screen, 706-222-7202. It is a secure way to give. So let's stand to our feet. Ushers, we're going to receive our offering tonight. And as you're standing and giving your gift and making your gift, tomorrow morning at 1030, first time we've done this in 66 weeks, we're having a Monday morning service at 1030, whether there's 50 or whether there's 100 or whether there's 500 or 1,000 people here, we're going to be bringing the worship preaching the word as an overflow of what happens here tonight. My wife Karen, who is the teacher and president of the Canale Ministry Training Center, will be bringing the word tomorrow morning. So you want to be here at 1030. Can we give it up for that? Amen. Mm -hmm. Don't miss it. All right. Father, we love you and bless you and thank you for this opportunity to give. And God, we will give sacrificially. We didn't come just to take, but we came to plant to pay ahead, to pay it forward. Thank you, Lord, for that. We bless you and honor you. And thank you for this moment. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. I want to introduce a, a, a friend of mine. Pastor Matt Scott, you may be seated, is the senior pastor of the gathering uh, place in 
Moody, Alabama, that has experienced an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Would Pastor Matt, would you come? Would you welcome Pastor Matt? He is the lead pastor of an incredible church, a Methodist church that is experiencing an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. That have been baptizing people. They've been shaken under the power of God, speaking in new tongues and folks being healed. Pastor Matt, just encourage our people. Amen. So good to see you tonight. Who's excited? I hope you came expecting. Because he's here, and whenever he's here, miracles happen. A lot of you are going to step in the water tonight, and you're going to receive exactly what you asked for. Some of you are going to receive something better than what you asked for. But all of you will receive something, every single one of you. Some of us think we know what we want, but our Heavenly Father knows us better than we know ourselves. And He's going to give you something that's very, very precious and very amazing. This whole night is really just a, a display of His love. That's all it is. This is love. This is what love looks like. Amen? And he's going to love on you tonight. He's going to do amazing things. And I'm just honored to be here with you. I'm expecting to receive as well as we pour out. And uh, just can't thank our host pastor and his wife enough. They have done, uh, he, he's, he's done a great job of honoring everyone tonight. But can we just honor them real quick? Pastor Todd, Pastor Karen, thank you so much. Love you guys very much. Amen. Stevie and I visited for the first time back in the summer of last year, and just to be honest, we, we were a little skeptical and didn't know what to expect, but we got into the baptistry, and the Lord touched us in an incredible way, and uh, our lives haven't been the same. And so we're here tonight to serve. We'll be in one of the baptistries tonight serving. Uh, freely we have been given, freely we will give, in Jesus' name. It's going to be exciting. Thank you. All right, I'm ready to hear the Word of God tonight. I'm looking at this oil in this tank right here. Pastor Johnny and Jerry, I just want to dunk my head right there and just live in that miracle, that miracle, this miracle that is happening right before my very eyes. And I don't know two greater men that the Lord could trust this with. And not only the two of you, but your two wives as well, Joyce and Leslie. And I just want to honor all four of you tonight and let you know that we're blood. We're cut from the same cloth. We're family. I told him earlier, I said, these people are his people. He's welcome anytime. I trust him. He has a passion. And you've not prostituted this. You're as humble today as the day I first met you. And we know it's not about you. It's about God just choosing a people that he can trust with his anointing. And you've done a great job, you and Leslie and Jerry and, and Joyce, y'all have done a great job carrying this mantle. You've done a great job. You've done a great job, man of God. Would you help me welcome to this platform tonight Johnny Taylor, Jerry Pierce,
Let them know you love them. Take your liberty. Praise God. You know, I feel like doing something different tonight. I usually pray for my brother before he preaches. But I just want to thank our God for what he has showed us tonight already and what else he's going to show us. And Father, I'm just going to thank you for this host of angels that is surrounding this place right now. We thank you, Lord, for that. Oh, Lord, we just thank you. We want to tell you how much we love you, Lord. We love you with all of our hearts, Father. We just honor you with everything that you do. You surround us with your love. Oh, Lord, we thank you. We thank you so much. We honor you. We love you more right now than we did 10 minutes ago, Lord. We just thank you. And I want to thank you for this man of God that's on his knees right now. And we turn it all over to you, Lord. You're in charge. In Jesus' name, amen. this morning talking about I was going to preach the same message tonight, same verses but use it from a different angle. This morning we talked about recognizing the counterfeit and tonight I'm going to talk about what living in the truth is going to do for us. Huh. I want to tell you about two visions that I have. I told you about one this morning, but I want to tell you about, about two visions that I had and what the Lord has, has, has shown me about. You see, this thing is so much bigger than what we think it is. And it's because our minds can't comprehend the magnitude of what the Lord wants to do. So we just see what he does with our natural eyes, but we can't even comprehend or fathom or begin to imagine what he's getting ready to let loose in the atmosphere to come down here. We... We can't even comprehend it. And you know what? The thing about it is, if you've never had something, you don't miss it. So if you've never had it and you don't miss it, then it doesn't bother you. But there's a remnant that's in this place that there's a churning in their gut. There's a churning in their gut. There's a moving in their spirit, and they don't know what they're looking for, but they know they're looking for something, and they're calling out, and the Lord's getting ready to unloose that. He's getting ready to drop it and unloose it, and we're getting ready to experience something we've never seen before. Oh! We got to stay in his business. I read this morning where he said, when his mom and dad came to get him, did you not know that I needed to be about my father's business? And the translation is, did you not know that I needed to be in my father's business? 
in order to recognize what's coming and what's happening. I had a vision. First of all, the Lord told us in the beginning. He said, you celebrate every service as if it's the first. Do not let it become common. You see, I believe, and I have to preface that with I believe because people tell me, Johnny, sometimes you say crazy things. You need to preface it with I believe. So I'm telling you, I believe that things and outpourings and moves of God are not supposed to end. I believe they end because man puts their hand on them and tries to control it and it gets out of the box and it, but I don't believe they're supposed to end. I believe they're markers for the awakening and I, and I believe, and I'll tell you why. Let me, let me say this. My children, I got two girls whew, and three grandbabies and I don't think they've been in a single service Maybe one that we've done. But they're good girls and they're Christian girls and they love God. And I was thinking about, Lord, I just want to go home and be normal. I just want to take care of my kids, make sure they know about you, make sure. And the Lord told me, he said, you run after me. You run after me with all you got. And you chase me. And you focus on me. And when you get to your destination, they'll be there waiting on you when you get there. Oh. <laughs> so he's given me markers. I told you this morning about markers. How that, you know, pastors have said, I'm not going to preach on patience. And people will say, I don't pray for patience. Because when I pray for patience, I always have to go through something. And pastors will say, I got up one night and preached on patience. And the pastor got up behind me and said, I'm not going to preach on patience. Because I believe religion has taught us the wrong idea of what patience is. We believe God tells us something and then we never hear from him again. And so we go through the wilderness and we go through the desert and we never hear. And we just hope that that was him that we heard and not our thinking. And we hope that that was him and not us. And all of a sudden, I think it was me. Because I don't, I don't think it's going to come to pass. I think it was me. And it takes longer and longer and longer. And after a while, we just say, I think I was messed up when I thought that. And we're taught, you wait it out, and you suffer, and they give you that picture of the desert. <laughs> and then you start seeing, start having delusions of oasis, and, and oh, but work, tribulations, working patience. And you're, and so nobody wants patience. That's why we live in a microwave culture, nobody's prayed for it. And if things don't come right when we pray for it, then we give up on it thinking it's not ever going to come because we don't know what patience is because we've been told not to pray for patience. <laughs> but I told you, I told you, like a man tells his wife, I'm going to take you to Europe. And then he never says nothing else to her. And time goes by and she says, 
are we going to Europe? He doesn't say anything. It's summer, and he's not saying anything. Am I supposed, are we going, are we going to go to, I remember when he said that, we was in church, and he was happy and jumping around, and he hugged me, he was tickling, he said, I'm going to take you to Europe. That was just his emotions. He's not taking me anywhere. And she's taught, just be patient and wait, and the day will come, he'll take you to Europe. And so you're supposed to be patient and not be frustrated and not get angry and not be agitated and not be itchy and scratchy. He's taking me, and you never hear anything. And we've been told that works patience. But the model for our relationship with the Lord is the husband and the wife. What husband tells his wife something and never tells her anything else until the time goes to fulfill it? And when the time comes to fulfill it, she's not even ready. But what if he does this? What if he says, I'm taking you to Europe. And then he brings home a pamphlet. This is where we're going. And then later on, he comes and he says, I got two airline tickets to Europe. Oh, man. And then, here's some money. Go buy you some clothes to get ready because we're going to Europe. She's more patient now than she's ever been because he gave her markers all along the way to let her know he's taking her to Europe because he gave her markers. And when the time comes to get on the plane, she's ready, she's beautiful, she's packed, she's this bride, and she's ready to go to Europe because he gave her markers all along the way. And when they get on the plane, there's the pamphlet, there's the tickets, there's the clothes. So God does the same thing with us. There's an awakening coming. There's an awakening coming. And he's giving us markers. How do you know? There's a Bible flowing with oil. And there's a marker that there's an outpouring coming. Get ready. There's an outpouring coming. And then a year later, he gives us a baptistry with fire. And he says, get ready. Here's another marker. The outpouring's coming. So guess what? We can be patient waiting on the awakening because he's given us markers that I hadn't seen, ear has not heard, neither in it into your heart. And so you enjoy them and you accept them and you embrace them all the while getting ready. I had a vision. The Lord told us, declare and celebrate what I'm going to do before I do it. And so every service we go, we celebrate. And I tell people like you to stand up. And he says, he tells us, he tells us, In the world, you give thanks before, after you receive, but in the kingdom, you give thanks before you receive. So now we're celebrating. Oh.
Sit down. So then he tells me, going to South Carolina, he says, I want you to celebrate the things you've not seen before. I said, okay. And he says, I want you to celebrate me raising the dead. I said, okay. And he says, and he tells me, I'm going to confirm it when you get there. And he says, but here's the kicker. I'm going to do it in a way that man can't take credit for it. Because even when we talk about God raising from people from the, you know, from the dead, there's this little bit of doubt, or was he really dead, or you know, how long did the doctor come and say he was dead? Or, you know? Well, he said, this, now listen, that's what he told me, and you know, before I would stand here and wait for you to throw rocks at me, but he's confirmed it. So he told me, he said, I'm going to raise the dead like this. He said, I'm going to raise the dead from people that's been cremated. See, you doubt that. You doubt that. He told me, see, you doubt that. Because that's kind of hard to believe that God can do that. Now, he can wake somebody up. I don't know if he can put them back together. And he said, I want you to celebrate. I'm going to put eyeballs in sockets where there's never been an eyeball. And he said, I want you to celebrate that I'm going to grow limbs out where there's never been a limb. And he says, I want you to celebrate that I'm going to reverse sex changes. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. I said, God, do you know what you're telling me to do? He said, celebrate it, Johnny. He said, they're going to lay down at night. He said, guys who have had sex changes if to be women, he said, they're going to lay down at night and cover up a woman and wake up in the morning and pull the cover back off and be a man again. said, men who've had sex changes into women are going to come down to this altar and they're going to pray a woman and get up a man. See, you don't believe that. But you know what? You don't have to. I do. He said, they've legislated abortion now in these states because they, they know that I'm going to overturn Roe versus Wade. And they think like in New York, they'll get ahead of the game and they won't have to fall under what I do in Washington. So they're trying to legislate me out of the government. And he said, they can legislate abortion, but they can't legislate me. And here's what he told me. Here's what he told me. He said, he said, what are they going to do when people stop wanting abortions? Men be sitting in bars watching Monday night football. 
And the Spirit of the Lord moves on him in the barroom. And the heart of the father goes back to the child. And he says, I got to go home to my children. I got to go home and be a daddy. I got to go back home. I got to go home and be a daddy. What are you going to do? What are you going to do when the guy's sitting in a bar and his girlfriend's off having an abortion? And And he says, and I move on him. And they get up and they say, and they start crying in the bar. They start crying on the job. And they say, I don't want to lose my baby. And they get up and they run to the doctor's office and they say, stop. Get your hand off of her. She is not going to have an abortion. I'm going to raise my baby. I, what are you going to do when the heart, when the Lord turns the heart of the father back? Because it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. I'm telling you, it's a whole lot bigger than we believe it is. And he said, I'm going to prove it to you. So we go to a church in South Carolina. And this lady walks up to me after service. She hands me her Bible and a picture of her daughter that had a sex change. And she said, I've been asking the Lord, what is she going to do when you save her? Is she going to remain a boy? What are you going to do when you you save her? Because you told me you're going to save her. And I asked the Lord, God, you got to tell me this weekend what you're going to do. And he said, you got up and said he's going to reverse sex changes. So I'll take that as his answer to me. And she showed me a picture. And the Lord said, I told you I was going to confirm it. (laughs) Then she moves out of the way. And this lady walks up to me with an urn in her hand. That's never happened to me in church. She walks up with an urn. And it's gold and it's polished. And I can look at it and see my face. in it. And she says, I drove from Cincinnati. This is my husband. He's a godly man. And God told me that, to, that he was going to raise him from the dead. And he was going to confirm it this weekend. And so I didn't know what he meant. So I brought it to show you this urn. And she didn't know I'm riding to South Carolina. And the Lord says, I'm going to raise the dead from people that's been cremated. And so, I'm thinking, is this it? And the Lord said, no. I just told you I'd confirm it. So, there's an urn here. And I'm telling you, you need to you need to declare this stuff. I don't care what anybody says. You need to declare it. That I'm going to do this. I'm going to reverse sex changes. I'm turning the hearts of the fathers back to the children. You need to declare this, Johnny. You need to declare this. And I would declare it, and I would look at people's faces, and the Lord said, step it up. I said, what do you mean, step it up? He said, you've got to, you talk about nameless, faceless, you've got to make them nameless, faceless. And you've got to stand up and declare it without any fear of repercussion, without any worry about whether they believe it or not, about any, with any fear of thinking they're going to think you're crazy. You've got to stand up, Johnny, and declare, I'm raising the dead. I'm... Then, then, Friday night, before last, we're in a service, and a friend of ours, Kevin Zadai, is speaking. And I'm sitting in a chair, and all of a sudden, 
I find myself on the floor. And this has never happened to me. And he took me up. And he took me to this room with shelves. And he said, I told you that I'm going to confirm to you. And I looked around on the shelves, and there were urns. And there were limbs. And there were eyeballs. And he said, this is what he told me. So I had to write it down. This is what he told me. He said, you saw tonight where you are living from. All that you are seeing and hearing and believing and speaking forth now that you have not yet seen on the earth or heard from the mouth of another is where you are living from. And it's real. It's where you are from, and yet it's where you are headed, where the two, body and spirit, which are one, will meet. Revelation, submission, obedience will take you, will take you where you are. The revelation is, it's real. My word to you is, call heaven come to earth. Speak it, declare it, proclaim it, and I will manifest everything I am showing to you. Johnny, call heaven to earth. So this is what he did. This is what he did. This is what he did. Come here, bro. You stand right here. And he says, this is where you're from. But also, he said, this is where you're from. And he says, this is also where you're headed. So he says, this path you're on. This path you're on, you've come from there. Yet you're, you're coming, you're, you've, you've been there, you've come from there, yet you're going there. I said, that doesn't even make sense. He said, you live in time, I don't. He said, because I'm here, and I'm here. And he said, if you let me explain who you are, you're here, and you're here. But you're also here, and you're going back to here. That's what he told me. Now he said, Acts 17 and 28, he says, For in him we live and move and have our being. So he says, break it down. In me you live. I looked at the word live, and it means a cause. So he says, in me, you live, you're not, you live a cause. And that word cause means restoration. So it goes back to the first where he said, I'm not just going to heal, but I'm going to restore everything the sickness has affected. All the way back, jobs, family, finances, everything back to 
the place you never were sick. He said, in that, you live restoration. He said, in me, you live and move. The word move means motion, movement, fruit. So he says, in me, you live restoration, and as you're on this path, you have the motion and the movement and the fruit of restoration, where I'm restoring you back to where you came from, which is where you are, and on your way back. You're living it, you're moving in it, you have the fruit of it, and you're on the way there. Then he says, oh, for in me you live restoration, you move in restoration, and in me you have your being, and the word have your being means you are. So he says, he says, in him I live restoration, I move in restoration because I am restoration. You see, we've not been told that. We've been told we have to work, and we've been told it's always going to be that way. And we've been told if you'll do this, God might help you. But all the while we were lied to, we were deceived because the Word says you are restoration. The minute that you're saved, I'm restoring everything that that sickness, that addiction, that the devil took from you, I'm restoring it. Why do you think religion says not to pray for patience? Because in patience is restoration. Because in patience there are markers. My girls, my girls, he said, they'll be there when you get there. You know what he's doing now? <laughs> my baby calls me up and says, Daddy. Oh, Leslie gave her a book. She said, I was reading this book, and Lord, he's taking me into that realm, and he's talking to me, and I can hear him, and he's telling me that I just don't have to do anything I feel, that I listen to him, and I move at his word, and I just do what he tells me to do, and he will take care of me, and you know what, Daddy? Now, it's just me and him, and I'm moving in him, and she calls me every day, and she says, Daddy, I got my diploma from college on Thursday. The next day, she calls, Daddy, I got a job at the school that I wanted, teaching what I wanted to teach. There's markers. There's markers. There's markers. And you see, the markers, he said, these markers, and you know what it does? It calms me down. I can, <laughs> you know what I mean? It makes me where I can do this with freedom. And I know when I get there, they're there because he's giving me markers. And I'm not impatient. I'm patient because he's giving me markers that my baby's going to be there when I get there. How do I know? Markers. So you know what? When, when the, on this path of restoration that we're on, that I'm from, where I am, and I'm going, I am where I'm from, and I'm going to where I am. And when I get there, I already am. So I, yeah. 
So, but he, see, there's the awakening. But we got markers. We got markers. There's a Bible flowing with oil. And people say, when it stops, really? The things of God, can I be just, can I just say this? Can I just say it? If you don't agree with me, just okay, but he told me my babies would be there when I got there, and he gives me markers. So if the markers I get from my babies are going to be there when I get there, why shouldn't the oil in the Bible be there? Why shouldn't the fire on the water be there? Why shouldn't the markers be there in the awakening at a greater magnitude than they are here? Because here, they're not markers anymore. They're the awakening. But, oh! So listen to him. Listen to him. Don't make room for doubt. Don't make room for stopping. Don't make room for getting small. Don't make room. Don't make room. Hurry up, and I'm gonna tell you. We gotta realize this is bigger than what we see. It's bigger because we're on this path. You see, I talked about the old order and the new order. The old order says you can't do anything, the new order says you can do anything. The old order says it's man only, the new order says it's no gender. The old order said, you got to go back and start and repent. The new order says, you never have to repent. But right in the middle, there's a path called the kingdom. And this is the path we're on called truth. So the Bible says, a righteous man falls seven times and gets up. The Passion Translation says they get up again and again and again. And the implication is they're not falling backward, they're falling forward. Repentance in the old order took you back. No repentance in the new order leaves you sinful. But this path here on restoration, and I'm headed for that awakening, and I might fall. But when I get up, I'm closer than I was when I fell. And I might fall. But when I get up, I'm closer than I was when I fell. And I might fall. But when I get up, I'm closer than I was when I fell. And I might get up. But I'm closer than I was when I fell. And I got in my fall. 
Repentance is not a bad thing. Repentance is the kingdom thing. Repentance is the God thing. Repentance is a lovely thing. Repentance is a wonderful thing. Because repentance never did cause you to fall backwards. Religion told you it did because it wanted to rule you. But I'm here to tell you now, in the name of Jesus, I break that spirit. I break that spirit because we're scared to repent because we don't want to start over. Because religion has told us we have to start over. But I'm here to tell you, when you repent, you do. I was in a service one night and I was preaching and the Lord speaking in this ear because he knew how troubled I was. I was in a basket case. And he said, you trust me? And I said, I knew there's a follow-up question. So I said, I want to because I wasn't going to let him catch me off guard. <laughs> I wasn't swearing into this because I didn't know what the next question was. He said, you only trust me when you're right and you don't mess up. He said, but I know your heart. And he said, when you fall, I'm going to pick you up and dust your knees off and keep you on your way. And he said, so when you fall and you get up, you're closer to me than you were when you fell. Oh, oh, a revelation from heaven. I don't have to start over. I keep going. I keep going. And on this path, there are markers. One of them is that we took literal, and once we use it, we throw it away. But it says in Proverbs, he that finds a wife finds a good thing. So once we get married, we throw that trip to go need it anymore. Well, sometimes we save it because, you know. But he says, we've taken that scripture literal. What it means is, he who stumbles on a wife stumbles on a good thing and finds favor with the Lord which means you will excel in that area why would you stumble on her because my eyes are on him and he said I know the end from the beginning I know what you have need of and if you'll keep your eyes on me, I'll put in your path what you need. And you look at me, and you will stumble over what I give you. And you will pick it up, and you keep going. And this is a marker. So whether it's a wife, or a calling, or a gifting, or a ministry, he says, you keep looking at me, and you'll stumble across it, and get up and never lose a step. Because here's what we do. He who finds a wife. I'm just doing what you told me. And I find one, and I bring her back on the path, and I said, I got her. I obeyed your word. And the Lord said, that's not who I have for you. But, but now we got to make it work. 
So there may be some pulling and pushing and struggling to get to the awakening, but you did it. I'm calling, I'm calling you to pastor. Let me send out some resumes. Let me go look and see if I want that church. Let me look. I found one! And they run you off in six months. Why? I'm only doing what you told me to do, Lord. I never told you to do that. All I told you to do was keep your focus on me. And when I had a church with you, you'll stumble across it. You see, part of the falling, part of the falling was not sinning. Look at the word fall. Part of the falling was not sinning. Part of the falling was stumbling and making mistakes, trying to find the will of the Lord. But and I might have stumbled one time because I messed up, but the next time I might have stumbled right into her. Right, 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 right. And guess what? It's worth the stumble here to stumble into that. Because I'm on this path. And I'm looking at awakening. And I, 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 I know that this ain't going to stop. Not if, not if the Lord has his way. You see, I've, I've been brewing over this stuff because every move that's happened has stopped. And I told Jerry the other day, I said, stop saying it's not going to stop. And the Lord said, you need to be quiet. We can't be arrogant with it, but we can prophesy and pray for it that we steward it the right way so it doesn't stop. We can pray and steward it right so that it doesn't stop. Isn't it funny that along the way, come here, Jerry, that along the way, come here. We've been friends for 22 years. 22 years. Come here. Isn't it funny? That Bert and Ernie. No name, nothing. Doesn't mean anything to anybody. Just hanging out, praying. Don't have a clue what we're doing. Don't even know what to ask for. At best, we're hoping for a nursing home ministry because we're all over 60. But then, but then there's this marker. There's this marker. And we pick it up. Get it right there, buddy. We pick it up. What does he want us to do with it? He wants us to carry it to the awakening. Oh! Crawl of a Come here, Marty. Come here. Come here. Come here, Bishop. Come here. Come here. 
and Jekyll. Coming along the way. They're just trying to pastor a church. They just want to see people saved. They're not big name. They have no big resume. They have this. They have nobody looking at them. They're just walking along trying and they stumble across a marker. Fire on the water. What do you do with it? What do you do with it? You steward it to the awakening. The more he told me, he told me my babies would be there when I got there. Their markers, if that's the case, why wouldn't these markers be at the awakening when we get there? So it's bigger than you think it is. Jerry's wife always tells us, think big. Think big. Think big. Not big like think big, him big. Because the full awakening hadn't come, there's just markers. But we're taking the markers to the awakening. Let me show you something. I got to quit. My wife and I were in Orange Beach, Alabama. And we were sitting there in the condo, and two things popped up on the screen from Fox News. And one of them said it was a debate called Spirited Debate between two pastors. And one of the debates was, is God okay with same-sex marriage? And one said that he's not. One said that he is. And they debated. When they got through, nobody won the argument. The next debate was, can you be a morally good person and not have Jesus. And one pastor said, no, you can't. And the other pastor said, yes, you can. But when they got through, nobody won the argument. So what they were saying was, if you believe that you can, that's truth for you. If you believe that he can't, that's truth for you. And truth became relative. Is abortion right for you? Then it's truth for you. If it's not, then it's truth for you. Truth is relative. Is homosexuality okay? If it is for you, that's good for you. If it's not for you, it's not. It's relative. And I heard horses. I heard horses. And they were in the starting gate. And they were wanting out in a race. And the Lord tells me, go watch the Belmont Stakes from 
Those two together, Sham on the outside. Sham getting a heavy front as they move around the turn with Secretary in second. Then there's a large gap. Make an eight lengths back to Mike Allen in third and Weiss turns fourth. And Private Smiles is still the trailer. They're on the back stretch. It's almost a match race now. Secretariat's on the inside, by ahead. Sham is on the outside. They've opened 10 lengths on Mike Allen, who is third by ahead, with White the Prince fourth. Then it's another eight lengths back to Private Smiles, who is trailing the field. They continue down the back stretch. The back Secretariat now taking the lead. He's got it by about a length and a half. Still Sham, 10 lengths back. Mike Allen, White the Prince. They're moving on the turn now. Now, Secretariat, he said Secretariat in the Kentucky Derby came from last to finish. In the Preakness, he came from last to finish first. In the Belmont Stakes, he started off first with the same horse that had finished second to him in the previous two races. And they said when Secretariat died, the horse's name was Sham. They said if Secretariat hadn't been born, that would have been the better horse. When, they, when, when, when Secretariat died, they autopsied him. They said he was the epitome of health and strength and physique. And his heart weighed 21 pounds. It was twice the size of a normal horse heart. They said, that's why Secretariat outrun those horses. Well, see, when they, when they trained, they said Sham would win because Sham was trained for the longer track. But they said because he had that heart, that's why he did it. Sham died. He was the epitome of strength. They autopsied his heart. His heart weighed 19 pounds, two pounds less than Secretariat's. You know what sham means? Counterfeit. When Secretariat crossed the finish line, he was 31 lengths, over an eighth of a mile ahead of Sham. They were the same size, the same heart. What was it that made Secretariat be able to run at that speed? And when they said when he crossed the finish line, he was still gaining momentum. And here's what the Lord said. Come here. Come here, bro. Come here. Come here, Lance. Come here. I got to hurry up. Y'all got to hurry up. 
Look at this. Look at this. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Get in here. Get in here. See, I heard horses. Just, just like a starting gate put in front of you. I heard horses. I heard horses. I heard horses. And the Lord says, he said, I said, what? I believe that race was a prophetic race for now. Because something about it made Secretariat able to run at that speed, at that momentum, that far away from his closest competitor, which was counterfeit. I believe it was the anointing. Because that was the year Roe versus Wade was passed. And this is going to be the turn when it's going to be overturned. You know why? Because he said, I'm turning the horses loose. And he said, when they drop, the whole pack's going to run together. And he said, stand right here, Terry. He said, the whole pack's going to start out together. Come on. He said, but this race, Sham and Secretariat came out in the lead. And automatically, relative truth was behind. That's what he showed me. Relative truth was already established as a lie. But there was still truth and counterfeit. And the Lord said, for a time, I'm going to let them run together. And if you watch the race, part of the time, Sham was ahead. Part of the time, Secretariat was ahead. Now, when Secretariat won, you might not have liked him, but you couldn't deny that he was the better horse. This is the vision the Lord gave me what I'm doing. I'm turning the horses loose. And right off the bat, I'm going to separate counterfeiting truth from relative truth. And I'm going to expose relative truth as a lie. And then counterfeit and truth are going to run for a while together. Because there's some of you that need to know for yourself right and wrong. And you look and you can't tell because they both look alike, but one of them has the anointing. But at his word, at his word, truth comes out of the lead and starts going and 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 going. And now truth is. Truth is the awakening. And let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you. If you watch the race, counterfeit fell back in the pack with relative truth. Watch the race. Watch the race. And when they crossed the finish line, the only one in the picture was truth. So guess what? You may not want the truth, but you won't be able to deny that it is the truth. You may not like it. You may not want it. 
want it, but you can't deny it. Why? Because the dead are being raised out of urns. Eyeballs are coming into eye sockets. Limbs are being grown where there's no limb. The hearts of the Father are coming back to the children. And guess what? This is going to increase in the awakening. This is going to increase in the awakening. But you say that's just water. Secretary, it was just a horse. You say, that's, that's just oil. Secretary, it was just a horse. But when the anointing got on the horse, when the anointing got on the horse, he was gone, and he established truth, and you knew it was God. You might not want it, but you knew it was God. Let me read one thing and I'll stop. One thing. In John the 12th chapter, Jesus was raising Lazarus from the dead. He told Martha, he said, I can raise him right now. And he says, because I am. I am the resurrection. I am life. In the note section of the Passion Translation, it says this. It says, the Aramaic use of a word uses the word resurrection, the word for resurrection that is related linguistically to the name Noah, who was symbolically resurrected from the flood as the life giver to those who repopulated the earth. Resurrection is superior to life, for life can be defeated and ended, but resurrection overcomes. Life is the power to exist. But resurrection is the power to conquer all, even death itself. So guess what? Come here, Secretariat. Listen to me. Listen to me. Come here, Sam. They both had life. But I realized that Secretariat had something that Sam didn't have. Resurrection. You see... Turn yours on. Okay. Okay. Stick this in here. 
See, he got life. But there's something inside of him that needs resurrected to make it go beyond and above what we can do. And it's called resurrection. So while they're running, there's something in here that needs life to resurrect it to outrun the counterfeit. And resurrection lives in life. But it goes throughout the body and it finds what's not alive. And it resurrects it. That's why it says, in him I live and move and have my being. I'm alive, yet I'm being resurrected. That's why in Psalms it says, I will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. Because the things in me, the cells that try to die, resurrection goes around, finds them, and raises them back up. You got resurrection in you. Resurrection goes throughout the body and it finds cancer. You got the life of the Lord in you, but you also have resurrection. And that part of the body that cancer is trying to kill, resurrection goes and finds it, zero ends on it, kills that matter, and raises up. And guess what? You kick into overdrive. Do you wonder why you and you resurrect? That's why this is a new baptism. Because I don't have to explain it. We got to go. But, but I got to tell you this. You are restoration. Do this. You are restoration. You are being totally and fully restored back to where you're from. Don't let anybody tell you that you're not. It takes patience, but it gives you markers all along the way to let you know you are being restored back to where you came from. Better than you were. Better than you were. Better than you were. And what is restoring you is resurrection. Stand up. Do you hear me? This thing is so much bigger. So much bigger. And guess what? He's given you, you're here, you're here being blessed to experience markers. And these markers have encouraged your faith. Where you thought you had given up, that things were always going to be the same that nothing was going to change, a marker shows up. But guess what? This marker God's going to use with your faith to cause resurrection, to find that place in you that needs help and resurrect you up. Because you're headed for the awakening. And things are sped up a hundred times in the awakening. While there's markers, you walk it out. But in the awakening, it happens like that. Are you ready for the awakening? Then you better celebrate the markers.
And you better let resurrection run around in your body and find that place and raise it up and give you some get up and go that you can outrun this counterfeit and get to that awakening and meet your children there. Okay. We're going to give two altar calls because I don't want to pray for you, but first of all, don't nobody move. But those of you that want to be baptized, In a second, you need to come forward and let them give you a card with a letter on it. Don't come yet. Just hold on. When everybody gets in place. Do you need to explain anything, Pastor? I need these folding chairs to be folded very quietly for two reasons. Our team's going to come and prepare a way for you to be baptized tonight very quietly. And we're going to move them to my left and to your right. We have a team over there ready to assist. If you'll take those chairs, then we're going to go. Yes, Lord. How many of you love the message tonight? Put your hands together. Take the chairs to my left and to your right. Thank you. Take my chairs to my left and to your right. Guys, if you guys can assist me. Thank you. Now, please, nobody move other than those that are moving with chairs. Listen. There'll be two altar calls tonight. The first altar call is for those to be baptized and you're going to receive a letter. You're going to get in line and get a letter. We will be moving through baptism very quickly tonight because we have multiple tanks. We even have baptismal going on and will be going on in the youth room. And I don't know if there's an overflow over there, but there will be baptism going on there. All right. Here. And over here, and there is no difference in the anointing in either one of them. Because it's not about a location, it's about an encounter. And he's here. So in just a moment, what we're going to do, we're going to come up from these steps. And we're going to get you a letter. Then you're going to go down these steps and go back into your chairs, okay? We're going to worship a little bit more. Then we're going to commence to pray with people for oil. Our team will be going throughout the entire sanctuary praying for folks. We have close to 100 altar workers ready to go tonight, ministering to people, praying for your sicknesses and your diseases and your addictions and perhaps family members and heartaches and broken pieces in our life. That's going to happen. I need you to be extremely patient for the next five to ten minutes as we make this transition. No one up these steps. Everybody's going to come from right here. Tom, are you in position? Okay. Praise the Lord. And also, you're going to get this piece of paper. You're going to fill it out and bring it when you come to get baptized. Does that make sense? All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Danny. Tom, are you ready? We're going to be, we're going to be extremely godly with this, okay? There's a difference between being Christian and godly. 
So we're going to be godly. All right? Are y'all ready? We're going to do this very quietly and very reverently. Let's move them up through this way. We've got three tanks. We're going to be baptizing people twice as much tonight. You're not going to have to wait, we don't think, until 6 in the morning. God's going to encounter you. Isn't it good? Come on. You drove all this way, flew all this way. It's going to be worth it. Come on, somebody give God praise in the house. Come on, give him praise in the house. How many of you ready for God to move in your world? You'll be prayed for. You'll be prayed for tonight in multiple ways multiple people nobody will leave untouched unchanged it'll be worth the wait I promise you praise the Lord just give us a few moments breast cancer cured, stage 3 breast cancer cured, pancreatic cancer cured, psoriasis of the liver cured, they give him 14 months to live, doctor can't find anything wrong with their liver. We've seen psoriasis melt off a man's body, emotional uh, ADHD cured, no more on medicine, young people and adults alike. We've seen eczema cured in the name of Jesus. We've seen schizophrenia, people that have harmed themselves and cut themselves and their scars literally disappear right before our very eyes. The same God that did all of those miracles is here tonight. He's going to do that and much, much more, just as Johnny preached a few moments ago. Just be patient as Johnny preached about tonight. And there will be markers all the way around. There'll be markers all the way around. Single file. All right, be patient. Be patient. Teresa McCullough in the building. Is Teresa McCullough in the building? Teresa McCullough. Raise it. Who knows Teresa? Okay. We've got your wallet right here that uh, we've taken all the money out of it, so you won't need that. Pass, it, pass that all the way down, Joe. Or There he goes. Joe's got it. Here you go, Teresa. Thank the Lord. We're in a church. Nobody stole it. Turned it in. Be patient. Johnny said there's markers. You will see miracle markers all the way around tonight. Don't forget tomorrow. Do not forget tomorrow. 10.30. The overflow will continue. 
the overflow will continue. Another 500 people over there in the overflow room that will be ba being baptized tonight. Come on, let's give God praise for that. There's such hunger. I believe that tonight is the awakening, the beginning of the awakening. The awakening of the awakening. Make sure you take the opportunity prepare yourself for your baptism praise the Lord we're going to be praying for every person the oil is down here going to be making sure that everybody gets prayed for. Be patient. Be patient. He's here. Several hundred people will experience the fire of God in the water tonight.
to 300 people right now, probably 400 people, going to encounter Jesus in the water tonight. for people to be baptized in the youth room so we want to make sure that we can accommodate that we have some availability they're already starting to baptize over there in the youth room fire God is already falling so I don't know if anybody wants to go over there we have probably we could put a hundred people over there and baptize Pastor Jonathan Pastor Jonathan. Okay, see this gentleman in the blue shirt or blue jacket. If you're wanting to follow him for baptism, some of you got an early flight right there. Follow Jonathan, hold up right there. Wave your hands right there. Follow him, follow him, follow him, follow him, follow him. Praise the Lord. Some of you have flights to catch early morning. 